We are uh, blessed this morning to have our youth pastor, Mark Blowers. Uh, we, uh, he's going to kind of talk a little bit more about what the series that we are, are going into, but there, there's going to be a number of guest speakers, I guess, during this particular series. So Mark, if you'd come, I'd like to pray for you before you start, and then we will turn it over to you. So okay. let's just pray. Father, I, I thank you for Mark. I thank you for uh, all of the giftings that you have given him and for his willingness to share all of that with us. Father, I just pray a blessing upon him now that you would speak through him, through the words that you have already given him in his time of prayer and preparation and uh, anything that you happen to give him while he's up here. Father, give him the, the boldness and the courage to speak that out as well. We just thank you for him. Thank you for uh, Michelle, for their family. Just pray blessing upon them too. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Is this supposed to go around? Well, good morning. Does everybody have big Super Bowl plans? nap. <laughs> That's right. May take you up on that. Okay. Well, um, like Jeff said, today we are going to be kicking off a, uh, a series, all right? And it's going to be um, the, it's called the Harmony Vineyard Way. And so most of y'all, if you've been here a few times, are probably familiar with it. It's written up here. And um, just a disclaimer, uh, the title, Kicking Off the Harmony Vineyard Way, is pretty much the closest thing you're going to get to a Super Bowl reference, so <laughs> drink it in <laughs> while, you, uh, while you can, because, sorry, nothing for you, Anton, on Tom Brady. But, um, but we're going to be uh, kicking this off today, and so the Harmony Vineyard Way is essentially a uh, description of how we do things here at, at Harmony Vineyard Church. Um, it can be read cumulatively in one free-flowing statement. Um, you know, right across the board behind me. Um, but it also has been formed in such a way that it allows it to be sectioned off into six distinct statements. And uh, these statements don't really need to necessarily be read in any particular order. So we're going to be starting off actually at the very end with truth. And truth is represented, um, sorry, I can hear I'm getting kind of loud here. Truth is represented by just one verse, all right, and it's Colossians 3.14, and it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So I thought it was important to start this series with truth because of the importance of us believing the stories of the Bible and accepting these teachings to be true. All right, it is fundamental for anyone who wants to be not only a follower of Jesus, but also a member of this congregation. You know, truth must be the foundation of any Bible-based church. And that is why it is an integral part of this church's core values. Now, if you were to take a survey and ask what the most important element of a church would be, what do you think the answers would be if you were to just cast it out over the whole country? You know, how would how would you answer it? And, you know, just answer it in your, in your, uh, in your mind there, but um, I'm sure you'd probably get a lot of different 
answers. But that the church would speak the truth is what should be of the most utmost importance to not only those in leadership within the church, but also the congregation within it as well. It's not the benevolence ministry. It's not the youth ministry. Sorry, guys. Um, but it's not even the worship. You know, and don't hear me say that all these things are not important because, in fact, all of those things are essential for any church. All right, they're very important, and, um, and they are. They're essentials. But just as the body has many necessary organs in order to survive, the heart is the most important of those vital organs. And truth is the heart of the church. And even though truth is so important to the church, it actually um, proved to be a lot more difficult for me to speak on than I had you know, originally anticipated. Wait, I need to turn this on. So um, about a year and a half ago, I took one of these self-evaluation tests called um, StrengthsFinder 2.0. It's actually a book that, um, that comes with a test that you take online. And it was probably the most extensive and, uh, in my case, accurate um, of these tests that I've, ever, that I've ever taken. You know, you can always, you can take a thousand of these and get all these different kinds of answers. But this one I thought was really, it was, it was comprehensive, it was in-depth, and it, um, I thought it, it hit me to a T on, on uh, what the results are. But you, you take this test online, and you answer all of these kind of would-you-rather questions, right? So it's like, would you rather do this? Would you rather do that? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like you know, fly fishing, whatever? And, um, and then it takes all of your responses, and it ranks you among its 34 strengths that it has listed. Um, and it has a definition for each of these strengths in a real you know, dense, uh, dense description. So some of these, just so you know, one is belief. Right? And somebody who has that as their highest strength, they, um, they take their core values very seriously, and it affects every decision that they make. Um, another strength would be someone who is an arranger, all right? someone who can organize well and knows where everything goes. And I'm convinced that if my wife took this test, this would be in her top two. My movie collection in our closet would attest to that. Um, you have empathy, you have relator, you have adaptability, uh, communication. And actually, as a pastor, I was kind of upset that this was not one of my top five, but whatever. <laughs> and, um, and the list goes on. And I'll come back to what my number two or my number one strength was, but my number two strength was includer. And I think that this fits me pretty well because it says that the includer is someone who wants to make people feel a part of the group. Right? They hate seeing people standing on the outside, looking in. Um, they view all, all people equally as important, and, uh, and therefore everyone should be included when it comes to whatever it is you're doing with them. <coughs> um, but knowing this about myself... And the idea of speaking about truth actually caused me some anxiety. Because truth is a very exclusive concept. Truth is very black and white. It doesn't pay any mind to your emotions, to your feelings, your beliefs. It just is. The truth just exists, and it doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if you are mad at it, if you ignore it. 
if you suppress it, if you have good or bad opinions about it, or just simply apathetic to it and don't care. Truth is, it still remains, and it's not affected by any of those things. It is not a relative term. You can't say, well, yeah, that's your truth, but my truth is this. That statement doesn't really make any sense. You know, it's true for opinions, sure. You can say, well, that's your opinion, but my opinion is this, and that's fine. You know, there's disagreements, and they all, you know, both people have grounds, and that's fine. But when it comes to universal truth, when you're speaking about who God is and what God's purpose is for your life here on earth, there can really only be one true answer. Universal truth is either true for all mankind or it's not true for any of it. And it is right whether you accept it or not. So that is important to remember when you hear me say that truth is exclusive because if you're a Christian, then you believe that the gospel is truth. And you could actually come to the conclusion that I'm saying that the gospel is exclusive. And you might be thinking, well, you know, hold up, you know, the gospel is actually all-inclusive, right? You know, didn't Jesus come so that he might save everyone, you know, and save the whole world? And, and, um, and nobody is excluded from his grace. And I would say that you are right to a degree. And the grace that Jesus offers through his death and resurrection, is indeed open for anyone and all to accept. All right? Everybody is able to, um, to accept it. But what you are referring to is actually the availability of the gospel and not whether someone is included in it or not. The availability of the gospel is up to God. The application of it is up to you. And if you accept God's word as truth, then you accept all of it. All right, you accept that Jesus is the truth and that the Bible is the word of God. You accept that he is the author on what is morally absolute and that his teachings do not give way for a pick-and-choose relationship where your, where your opinions and your feelings can actually pull you away from the tr truth that he has established. You accept his teachings not only on love and grace, on mercy and forgiveness, but also on sin and judgment and on what is right and what is wrong. And that is where truth actually becomes more and more difficult to accept. You know, truth is easy to accept when there's no opposition to it. But this world, and especially this American culture that we live in, it offers a lot of opposition to it. And a lot of that op opposition comes with tempting and even persuasive arguments. And you can't deny that. And we have, we've come to a point where saying, well, because the Bible says so, it doesn't really carry any more weight in an argument. You know, there was a point when saying because the Bible says so would get a person back in line because we accepted, you know, pretty much as a culture that that, that was truth. And so when you say that, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I understand this is truth. I'm going to apply it to my life, and we're going to move on. It was black and white. <clears throat> but now we've shifted more and more into this gray area because of more and more compromise and more and more justification for sin. 
And we begin to allow our feelings and our opinions and all these things that stand outside of truth, they come over and they start taking the place of truth. As we would call it. And so when that, when that happens, you are actually able to take truth and say that it is relative. Because in fact, it's not truth. It's actually your opinions and your feelings and your preconceived beliefs that you've had. It's not actually truth as God has said. And we're happier in the gray. I mean, at least on the outside. I'd say, you know, it's a lot more comfortable. There's no real opposition. It's great for someone like me who's an includer, and we're all just kind of, you know, standing around. We're believing what we believe, and, and, you know, everybody gets along. You do what feels right to you. But that won't happen in this church. You know, the Harmony Vineyard Way will be anchored in truth. And in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul calls the church the pillar and the foundation of truth. Truth begins with God, and it is spread by his church. If this world does not hear it from his church, it won't hear it from anyone else. If the church, with a big C, the body of believers, ever stops preaching the truth that is in God's word and we opt to stay and reside in this gray area, then the truth will have no foothold in this world. Now, thankfully, I don't really believe that God will ever allow that to happen. You know, I think, I, I don't think he will allow for every single church to move into compromise and just, um, and just be speaking lies. But you know, that's, that's not to say that many churches won't. And so we, as, as Harmony Vineyard, have to be diligent to make sure that we don't become one of those churches that move into compromise. So why this verse? All right. You know, why is the truth represented with a verse that doesn't even have the word truth in it? Now, Jeff may correct me after I'm done. But I believe that the main reason why this verse was chosen is this. It's that it communicates our belief as Harmony Vineyard Church that truth originates with God and it is expressed through his holy scriptures. And that belief serves as the foundation of everything that is done here. Now some of you may be thinking, well, you know, some of you Bible scholars may be thinking, well, wouldn't 2 Timothy 3.16 be a more fitting <laughs> verse for this? which reads that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training up in righteousness. You know, if, if, that's, if that's the only purpose for, for truth, then I'd say, well, yeah, that, that probably does fit pretty well. Um, but truth can be very dangerous when it is handled without love. And so that is why truth is paired with this verse. All right, when the church is communicating truth, it must be done in love. The entire 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians summarizes that anything done outside of love actually gains you nothing. All right, it says that it doesn't matter if you have all the wisdom and know all the mysteries of the world. If you don't love, then you have nothing. And... You know, in fact, as many of you have probably experienced speaking truth without love, 
can do a great deal of damage to understanding who God is. You know, I experienced this when I would see people like this stand on a bench down at VCU. And they begin shouting their condemning words to the college students passing by. And they would say things like, you know, God is tired of your wickedness, of your fornicating, your drunkenness, your lying, your cheating, and you're all doomed to hell. You know, and, and from what I can remember, honestly, after I you know, became a Christian, I started listening to this, there was actually a lot of truth you know, to what this person said. Not all of it, but there was some of it. You know, I do believe that most of what this person would list as sin is indeed sin when you look at the Bible. All right, I do believe that God is the judge of sin. But their presentation is incomplete. There is no love in it. They will even say that Jesus came to save them from their sinful state. I mean, look at this guy's shirt right here. I don't know if you can read it, but it says Jesus is love. But it's practically completely covered up by this, you know, fear-based way of preaching. You know, and I, I do agree. I agree that Jesus is love. You know, I agree with all of this and that Jesus can save us from our sinful state. But people like this man, are, are, they're forgetting that, that they are ambassadors for this Savior. All right? And any ambassador, whether they be for a person or a business or a country, they have a code of conduct that they must adhere to. All right? And for ambassadors of Christ, that code of conduct is love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 just puts it pretty simply. It says, whatever you do, do so in love. You know, I don't mean to, to speak specifically for this man. I don't know what exactly he said, but you can see it how there's this contrast here and what he's putting all the focus on. And, and I don't know what his relationship is with these people that he's speaking to, but I doubt that he's put much effort into it. Truth, when communicated without love, can lead to religion. And by religion, I mean the rules-based relationship that, that the preachers or the, the teachers of the law back when Jesus, before Jesus was born, they'd call people to this relationship with God. It's just all the rules without any of the relationship. And if we solely communicate the truth without love, we will be nothing more to this fallen world than a clanging cymbal or a ringing gong that's just making noise. So we are to clothe ourselves with love in order that we communicate the truth, that when we communicate the truth, we do it most effectively in leading people towards Christ. Truth communicated without love leads to religion but truth communicated in love leads to Christ. And that's the Harmony Vineyard way. <laughs> Don't worry, this will make sense. <laughs> but before I became a Christian, a friend of mine made me realize that I had no real idea what being a Christian meant. 
I've been raised to believe that every word in the Bible was true, but I never had really applied that to my life. And after I realized that I had no idea who God was, I decided to take out my Bible that was given to me back when I was in middle school, before I can even, you know, really, I, I don't even really remember receiving it that well, but I had one verse highlighted in this Bible at the time, just one. And it was Ephesians 4.29, which says, Let no unwholesome word come from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So I don't even really remember highlighting it or why I did. But I do remember that there came a moment one night that I decided to take that verse as truth. And I was going to apply it to my life. I figured that if maybe I, I tried doing what this God wanted, then I could come to understand him better. I remember praying that if God existed, I wanted him to do something with this. Because I was only going to do it for him. You know, I was going to try and control how I talked and the words that I said for no other reason than to please this God that I said I knew, but I really didn't. And most of you don't really know me before I had a relationship with God. You know, I guess I've just mostly been like Pastor Mark. <laughs> you know, but without going to really any detail here, let me just say that at the time that I prayed that prayer, my talk was less than wholesome. So I didn't need much convincing that, you know, I didn't read this verse and was like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm good there. It's, I didn't need much convincing that I had not been applying this to my life, this verse, this principle, this truth. And yet I called myself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, someone who was to take every word of the Bible as truth. So you see my dilemma there? So I began trying to control my tongue, you know, as much as I could at the time. I began to cut back on my foul language. You know, when a, and when a thought came up about somebody who I really didn't like, I tried not to voice that thought, <laughs> you know? Most of the time it was just like, there was no, there was no bridge there. It was just, it just all came out. Um, And my topics of conversation changed. You know, I decided to opt out of gossip and out of the hurtful things that I heard people saying about other people. You know, especially at my work, that was the, that was the biggest thing. I mean, you can talk about just like being the awkwardly standing there. It's just like, okay, well, can't really say anything there. But, um, but I actually became a much more quiet person because of this. You know, really, because I didn't even know how to talk anymore. But... From that, God started me on the path to discovering him. All right, I actually began to feel a lot better about going against what was so widely accepted in this culture of just, you know, complaining. About I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> All right. Don't touch that. I'm just going to give the rest of my sermon like this. Right. Whew. Okay. But, you know, I wasn't going to. Um... All right. Sorry. I got way off there. 
<laughs> but I began to feel a lot better that I, wasn't, that I wasn't doing what was so widely accepted by the culture. I mean, how often do we go into places, and, and, and it is, it's just all you hear from this person or from this place is just nothing but just stuff that brings you down. Nothing that that, you know, that verse that I read where it's encouraging and it's good and it's life-giving and it's appropriate and it gives grace to the people that hear it. There's, how often can you go to someone and be like, I know I'm going to do that, you know, in this world anyways. I know I'm going to get words that, that will do that. And so I started reading my Bible more and I started to see how God viewed people. And that in turn helped me to change the way I viewed people. You know, so my thoughts weren't just starting to to just instantly be like, I hate this person. It, it started to change to like, no, this is someone for whom Christ died. And so I should be starting to, to it changes you, you see? That transformation starts in your mind, right? Be transformed in, in your mind. Now, I still had plenty of public sin in my life that I could have worked on, Okay? But I had to start somewhere. And after about three months of taking those truths and applying them to my life in search of God that I claimed to know but really didn't, God actually revealed himself to me, and I've been following him ever since. From just taking one verse, all right, just one, one of these truths, I didn't read it and said, well, unwholesome talk is just a part of who I am. You know, it's just a part of me now, or I really like the way I talk, so I'm just going to skip over this verse, you know, or that that may have been true back in those times, you know, but that doesn't really apply to us here, now, and today. You know, I wanted to discover truth and just accept that it originated, and I just accepted that it originated with him. So are you motivated by or to discover truth. And once you find that truth, do you, what do you do with it? You know, if you say that you believe every word in the Bible is true, well then are you actually applying those truths? Or maybe you wouldn't yet say that you believe that the Bible is true. You know, you don't see the proof in it, and, um, and you don't really believe that it is true. You require a little more than just faith. Well... You know, all I would say to that is that much of what we accept by faith can be proven through our practice. So I want to give us a chance to do that this morning. All right, includer was my number two strength. But you know what the test said was my number one? It was developer. It said a developer strives on seeing people grow. They view everyone as a work in progress, and no one has yet reached their full potential. And when it comes to the church, that is what I want. I want to see people develop in a life-changing growth, and I want to see everyone included in that process. But that can only happen if we really take God's word seriously. So this is our uh, chance to grow this morning. I'm going to just speak some scriptures over you all and, and give you a chance to, uh, to respond to them. So could the worship team um, come back up? And could um, some of those who are um, released to pray, if you all be able to, to come up and then maybe stand. Uh, don't stand near the speakers. But who knows what's going to happen.
but just um, maybe along the wall. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures that are, you know, most of them are just one verse. And, um, but there's a danger to just plucking scriptures out of the Bible without really knowing the context around them. You know, I, I see people, they, they'll say, they'll quote, you know, I'm sure all, most of you all probably know this, Jeremiah 29, 11 of, you know, I know the plans I have for you, the plans that are good. Well, do you really know what came to the, you know, the, the people that that word was spoken over? I mean, it was a hard time for them that, that ended up coming, but it was a big picture statement. And so if you don't understand that context, you kind of, you're like, well, this isn't cool. You know, this isn't from God. This is because you, you, you want to apply it here and now. So there is a danger to that. But that being said, I assure you that these scriptures can be taken alone as just biblical truths of who God is, of what he wants from us, or what he wants for us, I guess would be a better, better way to say it. And some of these scriptures, you know, will be an encouragement to you. But others will be a challenge. <clears throat> and some of you may have, ne- some of these you may have never believed, and others you may say you believe, um, but maybe you've just never really internalized them and applied them. But the point is that God wants us to look at these statements as true, not allowing our opinions or our feelings or our experiences to get in the way of them. So please uh, come to receive prayer if you, one, you just don't believe them or, and, and you want to, or two, you aren't acting on them if you say that you do believe them. So just come as the, um, at the, as the Holy Spirit prompts you at, at any time. And some of you already have scriptures that are going through your head that you're probably not going to hear that God's been speaking to you about for a while. Um, Andre, could you get the lights, if you don't mind? But just in case you don't have any scriptures going through, um, let's start off with just a couple. Ephesians 4, 29. This is one that I've already read. But let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And do you really understand that God is love? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. 1 Timothy 4.8 Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important. 
for it promises a reward in both this life and the life to come. Second Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. John 17.3 This is eternal life that they may know you, God the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. 1 John 2.11 but the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. How many of y'all believe this one? That Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 10:13 No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to all men. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But with the temptation he will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. And you don't have to live in sin. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 16.2, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord will weigh your motives. Romans 11.33 Oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge it is impossible for us to understand his decisions and his ways First John 3.1 and this is speaking specifically to those who, who do believe see how very much our father loves us for he has called us his children and that is what we are but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't yet know Him. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger or they'll become discouraged. Matthew 5, 21 through 22 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, You fool, will be guilty enough to go to hell. You know, and that sounds harsh, but I'm, we can't just keep making excuses. Matthew 5.28 says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already commi committed adultery with her in, her in his heart. Matthew 5.44-45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on evil and on good, and he sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? And that's kind of a, that's more of like to y'all, you mothers out there in particular. I know that it can seem like, well, a mother is just going to worry. That's what we do. Well, no. You can be concerned, but worry just does nothing for you. y'all have situations with your job but that worry just eats away Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us for, for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will he wanted to do this Colossians 2.9 says for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and you are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And again, that's, that's speaking to what I'll end on. It says Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and like I said, I know that there are verses going through that, that I didn't say, and you know, maybe God's been speaking to you just this morning about it, or this past week, or month, or maybe he's been speaking to you about it for years and years. He wants you to believe this truth, but it's not getting through. pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, I just ask that, Father, you know everything that we're thinking. You know our opinions. You know our feelings. You know our experiences that we've been through that, that have held us back, Lord, all of which have held us back from just accepting your word as truth. Accepting your word as truth as to what you say is morally right or wrong, the way we justify for sin in our life, whatever it may be. But not only that, Lord, but the, the truths that we don't believe about who we are when we are in you, Lord. The fact that there is no condemnation on us when we are safe and secure in you. That we are sons and daughters and we have this inheritance have a hope so father I just pray right now that um, that you speak to each one of us Lord Lord, let your Holy Spirit rest and and give us the the courage and the boldness Lord to stand up and go receive prayer for these things if if it's just if it's just been eaten away at us Lord and if it's um just been so hard for us to believe 
you do the impossible. You created us, you created this whole earth and this universe, Lord, and, and you created us for your purpose, so. Lord, we, got, we give you praise, and we give you thanks this morning. And pray that, uh, that this church would always be anchored in, in your truth. And that we would always communicate that truth in love. So that your gospel message would have the most effect 